Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you usually listen to me on Spotify and you've not been getting my latest episodes, click the Spotify link in the description so you can follow the updated podcast feed. Welcome, friends, to another r/slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got a story about a house vandalization. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our story of the day is I vandalized my abuser's home. This is the account of someone, an innocent, who gets swept up in a big family move from one country to another. A teenager that moves to a place where the rich and the average Joes live side by side. She gets caught up in some sick games of the rich, spat out, and seeks whatever revenge is available given the difference in means. I am Girl X. I've come on here today to share my story because bottling it up has been driving me crazy. I finally had the idea to just write it all out on here anonymously when I saw a post on social media of someone else doing the same. Perhaps if I get it out of my system and other people can see it, I can get some sense of validation, confirmation that I'm not crazy. I just want to know someone cares. The first thing I need to do is rewind back to the 2000s. My family's living in London, we're doing okay, but compared to the rest of my dad's family, we're straddling behind. His brothers are doing orders of magnitude better, just like their parents, whilst my dad scrims and saves through life. It provides a source of tension in the home, as he's very self-conscious about his relative lack of success. He wants better for all of us, but he's pushy. It's almost like an obsession. Then one day, his oldest brother phones with a proposition that would fulfill his need. A job offer. He accepts and initially we're all really pleased. Finally, maybe he'll ease off and just enjoy life, was what I thought. As it turns out, the job offer was in Florida. My heart sank. Yeah, maybe dad would be nicer now, but we had to uproot ourselves and lose our home for it? It was like trading one albatross for another. My dad was pleased, but I could tell neither me, my mom, or my little brother were exactly excited. I discreetly told my mom that I didn't want to leave our house and friends behind. It wasn't perfect, but this was our home. She gave me a half-hearted talk about new opportunities, a better life, and new friends. It became clear that she had no intention of saying how she really felt. This destroyed any slight hope I had of staying. She was the link between us and dad, the only one who could potentially change his mind. This was it, we were leaving. My little brother was less bothered about rocking the boat and protested right up until the day we left for the airport. Nevertheless, it was a fate accompli. From Heathrow, we flew to Orlando International, stopped the night, and then my uncle arrived in the morning to pick us up. It was a miserable first day. We had a long drive down to the south of the state, it was a hot day, and the aircon in my uncle's car wasn't working. The circumstances were just fueling my resentment. Nevertheless, this was all just a dip in the ocean compared to what was to follow. In the interim, things seemed to pick up. When we got to our new home, it wasn't bad. It felt alien, but at least it was pretty large, plenty of space to hide away from everyone else. My biggest fear was school. How would the kids respond to the new foreigner? 
As it happened, I got a generally warm reception. Most were curious to know about me and treated me as interesting, which was a novelty. I still did have to contend with one or two jerks who thought it was funny to do a stupid imitation of my accent and asked me even stupider questions like, are you having tea with the queen this week? But they were thankfully outliers. The family settled in quicker than I'd anticipated. Even my brother found something to be happy about. Dad bought him a pair of Heelys, and dad himself was a whole lot happier. On the whole, it was an unexpected turnaround. The next few years weren't perfect, but we found a new rhythm and made the best of it. Then came the Great Recession of 2008. I was 17 at the time. My dad lost his job, and even though we had some savings, we were walking on a tight rope. I wanted to drop out of school and get a job, but dad wouldn't hear of it. Officially, it was important that I get a full education, but I reckon that old-fashioned pride was at play. He didn't want to be helped by his little girl. And so, because of the laws in Florida, I couldn't drop out without my parents' consent. My 18th couldn't come soon enough. On the cusp of it, my uncle, who knew I was keen to start earning money, said he knew where I might find a part-time job. Officially, it was a small cleaning job. At least that's what the woman told my uncle. I started the following Monday after school, and when I arrived, I was shocked. It was huge, bigger than all the other houses around pure white with lots of palm trees, I got pretty excited to get inside and see what it was like. For the first week, well, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it all seemed legit. I was told to dust around, take out the trash, and do some other jobs. Since it was well paid, it seemed like the perfect part-time job. It was the following Monday that I met the master of the house, a middle-aged guy, not bad-looking, with a strong presence. My instincts quivered ever so slightly at the sight of him, It was something strange I'd never felt before. Whatever it was, I wasn't sure I liked it. After he started talking to me, he acted on what I now know to be an easy charm, mixed with a certain subtle air of superiority, arrogance. It was enough to make me second-guess my instincts, and so when he asked me to go and dust around the main bedroom, I didn't give it much thought. Looking back, though, I wonder whether there wasn't a certain sense of fear at play? A 17-year-old girl doesn't cut much ice against two middle-aged adults. I went up with a dusting cloth and thought I'd give the bedside cabinets a sweep round first. When I actually went in, though, I found there wasn't much to dust. The bedside cabinets were cloaked by green covers and there wasn't much other wood around. I went over the bamboo-looking bed frame when I heard someone come in. I didn't think anything of it at first, but after I'd finished swiping the bottom part, I noticed the figure hadn't moved from the doorway. I glanced around and saw him standing there, smiling at me. It wasn't a friendly sort of smile either. There was something a bit sinister, a bit lecherous about it. I felt nervous. Only then did he leave the entrance and come into the room proper, taking a seat on the edge of the bed. I decided to look busy, so I went to the TV unit in the corner and started dusting around that. Out of nowhere, he asked me if I wanted to make any more money. Little fool that I was, I didn't sense any malice in this question. So I replied affirmatively without hesitating. He found that amusing. He pulled out his wallet and took out a few notes, instructing me to come over here. I did, and he said that I could have the cash if I gave him a quick massage. I stood there quietly shocked, not knowing how to respond. He assured me that it would be harmless and that we'd both get something out of it. I felt like I couldn't say no. He handed me the cash and went to lie on the bed, puffing up his pillows before resting his head on them. 
I set the money aside and went over to the side of the bed, leaned over and nervously placed my hands on his shoulders. That moment is firmly imprinted on my mind. I remember distinctly how strange it felt to be touching a strange grown man. How strange I felt when discovering how warm and large his body felt. It didn't feel right. He was clearly enjoying it though because he made groaning noises throughout the whole time. Needless to say though, as soon as my time was up, I took the cash and ran. I had no intention of going back there. A couple of weeks later, my mother was taking the rubbish out when she tripped over and fell, breaking her arm in the process. Even with insurance, the medical costs ate up the savings and then some. My dad was still looking for work, so the tightrope became a tight string. My dad still wouldn't accept help, but I was determined to give it anyway. So I went looking for some other part-time work. What quickly became apparent was that what work was available to me wouldn't even touch the sides in terms of pay. I hadn't actually told my parents that I'd quit my job at the White Mansion, so I spent time ruminating whether or not I should take one for the team. Every time I tried to countenance it though, I found my skin crawling. Nevertheless, things ended up becoming desperate enough that I didn't have a choice. With that, I threw away any ideas about telling them what happened with that man and returned to the White Mansion, already knowing that they wouldn't turn me away. I was right. I clung onto a vain hope that the massage was a one-off incident, that maybe even my discomfort was obvious and they'd take pity, and that I could go back to dusting shelves. When I came face to face with the lady of the house, I tightened my grip on that hope. She seemed very warm and welcoming, very concerned that she hadn't seen or heard from me, and all this made me feel at ease. She sat me down to talk about the massaging situation and skillfully broached the topic of doing it again. I told her that I wasn't very comfortable, and she listened attentively as I talked. But when her turn came, she gently hand-waved my concern. She said it was a bit of harmless fun, that there was nothing to worry about, and that I could make some good cash if I stuck around. No matter how insane and wrong it sounded, and it was, I was a naive teenager, and she was a confident, persuasive operator. She told me that he was here to wait whilst she went, and told him that I'd come back. It was a heck of a long and quiet few minutes before she returned, an easy smile on her face, and beckoned me to follow her. She took me back to that same bedroom, but he wasn't there. What was there lying on the bed was a costume. From behind, she grabbed my waist and squeezed it. You've got a fantastic figure. I bet you'd slip into that with no difficulty. I felt my stomach turn lightly when she said that, but because of the financial incentive and the immediate pressure I felt, I couldn't have left if I wanted to. I put on the schoolgirl outfit as she asked. I felt her eyes fixed on me the whole time. It was incredibly uncomfortable. I turned to look at her and she smiled, walked over to me and started pretending to pull the outfit straight. Her hands just happened to touch me at various points. I just stood there frozen feeling incredibly exposed. However, this was very much just the set dressing for what was to come. She then led me to the marble-tiled bathroom where, laying on a massage table, the man of the house awaited me, only wearing a towel. He lifted his head up to look at me and smiled that same distinct self-assured grin that I'd witnessed when I first met him. I had to touch his skin, I thought to myself in horror. My feet were begging me to turn and run, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Nervously, hesitantly, 
I made my way towards the table at his request. The woman handed me a small bottle and told the man to have fun before casually leaving and closing the door behind us. Is it weird that somehow I actually wanted her to stay? Somehow it seemed worse to be alone with him, even though two manipulators are surely worse than one. Whenever you're ready, he said lazily. I looked at the bottle. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And it was a bottle of massage oil. I opened it and drizzled some on his exposed back. When I went to put my hands on his skin, though, it was like there was a force field around his body. I just couldn't bring myself to touch him. After a noticeable moment of nothing, he slightly turned and looked at me. I jumped out of my skin. He smiled and told me there was nothing to it, but I sensed a slight malice in his tone. Enough that it jolted me into doing it. I rubbed the oil all over his back and then, with my eyes closed, ran my hands over him and rubbed them in. After I'd finished, he got up and went to get his wallet. When he came back, he walked right up close to me and looked down at me, not breaking eye contact, as he stuffed his large hand down my top and deposited the money. That night, I went home for dinner. My dad had prepared something, I can't honestly remember what, but it was economical, and we all sat down at the dining table. Nothing felt the same. It was the same setup, same routine, but suddenly I felt like an imposter or like someone was watching from the outside. During the course of the conversation, the question I dreaded most was asked by my mom. How was your day? I lied and told her that it was fine, boring, and any other mundane adjective I could muster in an attempt to make it seem like I had a humdrum day. I slipped a good chunk of money into a ceramic chicken that had traveled with us from the UK after everyone had gone to bed, then went to bed myself and cried myself to sleep. The duo up at the White Mansion quickly gave up any pretenses of my job being anything presentable. It also wasn't lost on me that they were incrementally upping the ante so far as what they could do with me was concerned. What started out as innocuous massages steadily evolved into a more sinister and degrading activity. First they got more handsy with me, grabbing me, sliding hands up the skirt of my ridiculous costume. Further and further they went. Soon outside turned into inside. Oh, but don't worry, I would be rewarded handsomely. Not just with money either. Tops, dresses, and jewelry were given to me. Before I'd even noticed, they turned me, a teenage girl, into a living you-know-what toy. And soon they were using them on me too. After one massage where there was just me and him, 
He did things with an unbridled glee in his eyes that was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. During this period, I learned to cope by compartmentalizing my life. The place where I was made to feel dirty and cheap was a different world to the cozy innocence of family life. A jarring break came about a month later when that man called my house. I didn't think for a moment that it would be him, but when my dad, who took the call, spoke his name, I froze. I never thought it was possible, but my safe haven had been penetrated. Were there no boundaries to his presence? The man told my father he was extremely pleased with my efforts, and that he'd like to give me a free place on a course he was offering. Purportedly, it was to prime teenagers for college. My dad, knowing of his wealth and a worshipper of money and power, took him at his word. He was delighted and grateful that he'd do such a thing for his daughter and told him that I'd be there. I could have cried right in front of him when he told me. Then he told me the worst of it, it would be taking place in New Mexico. As soon as he said that, I said no. I said I didn't want to go. Cue an argument. Dad asked why I wouldn't go. I told him quite truthfully, I didn't want to go to the other side of the country alone. He said it wouldn't be for long and it would be with people I knew. I said no. He shouted, I shouted, he tried to budge me, I wouldn't move an inch. In the end, holding my ground paid off. Dad sighed and rung him back to tell him that I wouldn't be going. Then, the man asked to speak to me. I want to add in here that by this point, my dad had just started a new job. We weren't yet out of the woods, but security was slowly coming into sight. I tried politely telling him that I didn't want to go, but he kept pushing and pushing. Once he accepted this was going nowhere, he dialed it up. He said he was aware of our financial situation, aware that my dad had only just found a new job after a trying period of searching, and said that if I kept refusing to come to New Mexico, he would make sure my dad would lose his job pronto. He had me over a barrel. That was the point where I really cursed the day we ever got involved with him and the day we ever moved here. I realized how fully his influence stretched and how I'd become a pawn in his twisted power games. With my dad in earshot, I was not only forced to say yes, but also to make myself sound happy and grateful. I wanted to punch myself. The trip to New Mexico took me to a huge ranch that was, surprise surprise, owned by him too. As soon as I got there, the reality behind the ruse was quickly made clear. I was going to be acting as some kind of entertainer for an upcoming party. What made this really hard to swallow was the ranch was way out in the middle of nowhere, so I was stuck no matter how I looked at it. The party was to take place in three days, and I was told there would be high-profile figures in attendance, and that I was to offer anything they requested. I was shown to my room and told to unpack and get settled in. Despite the frostiness, I was at least brave enough to ask about the money. You'll be paid is all I got as she left. The party was the most lurid thing you can imagine. I wasn't even the only girl roped into offering services. There were two others. I never learned a thing about either of them though. The couple seemed determined to keep us apart. The guest list was indeed obviously high profile, though I couldn't name everyone there, just a few. But it's clear that even the ones I didn't know were prominent, and they had their air about them. Most of them wanted something from the girls, and the tastes varied wildly. One man demanded to suck on my toes. I felt really uncomfortable about the prospect, but the woman had been keeping an eye on me and when she saw me hesitate, shot me a look that could have killed a bull. 
Needless to say, that was just the light entry into a sickening chain of events. Throughout the evening, lasting into the wee hours, I was passed around from guest to guest, violated, treated like one of those inflatable dolls. After it was all over and I went to pack my stuff away, I approached the woman about payment. It's unbelievable how fast she turned cold. She said that one of the guests found me uncooperative and consequently I was to get nothing. I was furious. I was also approaching my limit too. My sense of self had been ripped to shreds. I just didn't care what I said or did. I'll tell everyone what you do here. See what the world thinks of you then. In that moment, I regretted saying that. A sharpness appeared in her expression and she slapped me. She marched around the table, got very close to me, and said if I tried any such thing, she would ruin me and my family. I could tell she meant it. She told me to leave, and I did, making a very long trek before thankfully I hitched a safe ride that took me to civilization. I called my uncle and told him that things hadn't worked out here and that I needed to get home. I stayed in a cheap motel for the night whilst his wife flew out to Albuquerque. I met my aunt at the airport as arranged and we flew back to Florida. All the time, I just kept thinking about what happened. I realized that, really, I probably could get away with some revenge. They had so much to lose by taking such obvious risks that I could get away with a fair amount. When I landed back in Florida, I felt some relief. Whatever it was, my family were there. In the meantime, I decided against revenge. That is, until it was decided that we'd be moving back to England. Dad offered to stay until I'd graduated high school, but to be honest, I wanted to go home. ASAP. In line with that, I saw a golden opportunity, one that I'd never get again. The couple weren't at the White Mansion, they had gone off again since the New Mexico jaunt, so I decided to slip in. It was quiet with only the housekeeper around. She evidently hadn't been told about me being cast out from the Predator's harem as she let me in as normal. I went straight upstairs and headed for that bedroom. I pulled out that stupid costume from where it was kept, grabbed a pair of scissors from my bag, and cut it up. Then I went into another bedroom, found a wardrobe of pretty expensive clothes, and cut them up too. I took a knife from my bag and hacked at the curtains in the room. I imagined she was behind them. Time was precious as we were due to fly out later that day, but I wanted to get as much mileage as I could. That meant remaining discreet for as long as I could. So after closing the bedroom door behind me, I loitered around until the housekeeper went out. Then I went into the blue living room, hacked up the sofa and chairs, threw over some furniture, and then set about creating my final act of protest. There were bookshelves at the side of the room. I took scores of them as quickly as I could put back by the pool. I took a good few rows before my bottle reached its limit and I settled for what I had. I took a box of matches from my bag and set the pile alight, dashed back into the house, and just as I was about to leave, a photo of her caught my eye. I grabbed it, turned back, and chucked that on the fire too. Then I left. As it turned out, I'd gotten the time wrong and only just made it back home in time. We got our flight and I never looked back. Fast forward now and I'm a software engineer for a small company, have my own place, and am learning to navigate adult relationships. I never told my family what happened, and I wanted it to stay that way. Given revelations in recent years though, they've become aware of their crimes and have quizzed me about it. I lied and said none of that had anything to do with me. I was just a cleaner. It's been hard enough for me to handle without worrying how they'd cope with it. 
As you might guess, the abuse I suffered left scars. It took a lot of therapy and for me to reach my late 20s before I felt capable of tackling love and sex. I had made just one attempt before then at 21. I went for drinks with a nice looking student. At the end, he leaned in to kiss my cheek, but I freaked and shoved him hard before having a panic attack. Still, I've managed to reach a good place, and learning that my tormentors have been exposed brings some satisfaction. Still, they were so connected and powerful that even now, I feel apprehension about posting this. Such was their power. I mean, I think you just have to commend the amount of courage OP had for posting and sharing a story like this. One of the most frightening takeaways is, while a lot of people that do these things have been getting exposed in recent years, I'm sure we all know and expect that more of this kind of stuff is still going on around the world. Do you guys think that as time has gone on, that we've become a safer and safer world to come out and admit that you were suffering these experiences? Or do you guys think it's still just as bad as ever for people that are in a situation like this? That they're all being hushed and made afraid of ever admitting anything? If you guys have any thoughts on this, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say in the comments down below. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.